Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy senior reporter, Hillary Milnes, and with me this week is Jen Gotch, the founder of Bando. Thank you for coming in, Jen. You're welcome. So why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about Bando for those who aren't familiar? How did you start the brand? Sure. Um... I'm glad you asked the follow-up part because I feel like anytime anyone asks me to describe Bandeau, I'm like, well, let's well, go back to the beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, I started it in 2008 with a friend and we really did not go in thinking that we were starting a brand. We um, had felt like we had inadvertently tapped into the creative consciousness and were making these like vintage one-of-a-kind hair accessories, which is very different than our product offering now. Mm-hmm. Um but we, we both made them, decided that they were highly desirable and that we each wanted to sell them. And so then we decided to partner up and do it together um, and create a website. We, you know, it was like, do we go on Etsy? Do we make our own site? And I think like the fact that we somehow had an inkling to do it on our own and not go under, you know, just be another page on, on Etsy really was was like one of the first of many very lucky decisions that that we made. Um, And so it really was just sort of the side thing that was, that was a fun project. It Mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, now obviously having been in business for almost 10 years, I've met so many people that saw a hole in the marketplace and had a business plan and strategy and, you know, wanted to create a brand. And we, we really didn't have those conversations until much later. Right. Um, so it was just a very natural and organic growth, Mm -hmm. just doing something that people seem to like. Right. So yeah. Your, so your brand has a very specific aesthetic. It does. You really, (laughs) you really know when you see it, but going back to, you mentioned like the creative consciousness, Mm -hmm. what, like so that kind of went back to the very beginning with the hair accessories can you just describe like what they looked like and sure when you were like when you realized like oh wait people are actually eating this up yeah well it they were very they were very avant-garde they were really big you know it was like big tool poofs and flowers and it was before the floral um like the, the flower, flower crown so it, was, it was a few years before that um but I think it was just like artful and interesting. And I had I had a a couple blogs at the time. It was like 2008 was before blogs. They were still like personal yes. creative outlets. Um, <laughs> nothing not to take away from the blogs of today, but it was it was just a, a bit of a different thing. But um, and I was really into Flickr. I don't mm. know if you, which was like a photo sharing website. Right. And so. Um, I was start. I think I was just inadvertently starting to get a sense of like what a what a response looks like from people. Like when when I would get more likes on something, and mm-hmm. I, and again, so this was like prior to social media or any of that. So um, I think I just felt that something was happening, and then we showed it to I I like emailed a couple friends the night before we launched, and they were all like, "This is so cool!" And it just really from the day we launched, people were interested in what we were doing. I, I mean, I hope to 
like now I'm like, I feel like it must've been, there was positive energy around it and Mm. we were trying to do something original and, um, and it was different and there was, there was more opportunity for that at the time. You know, it just like wasn't as crowded of a space. Right. In, in terms of that space, you mean direct to consumer brands or what type e-commerce, of space? Yeah. You know, just like e-commerce be, being, having a presence online, um, it, you know, there were still lots of new people forming businesses and, and we've had, I've had a lot of conversations over the last couple of days being here in New York, you know, just thinking that it wasn't, it was like non-business people starting businesses because mm-hmm. like e-commerce was growing and it was easy, mm-hmm. you know, $12, you've got your domain, you're, you're, you know, you have a storefront. Right. So, um, obviously flash forward to today and it's a much more competitive marketplace and even just getting people to talk about you or it was different. Whereas then it was like everyone was kind of hungry for content because I feel like we were at the beginning of that wave. Yeah, so we're excited. Yeah. We were very lucky. Uh, and then where did it turn into the, the brand that, that we do know today? When, and when were you like, okay, wait, we need like a business plan. Yeah. (laughs) We, well, we, we, we took on an angel investment, a very, very small investment in like our second year because we had, um, anthropology had approached us to do stuff and we just needed a little bit of money to, to actually fulfill it. And Mm -hmm. so in order to even like approach people, we had to create a business plan. So, which was, very eye-opening you know once you start looking it's like I was like I really felt like we were going to be rich much faster and then you just look at like the formulas and I was like oh business is hard um so but that was good it was a very insightful time our business was still very small but it was sort of the the beginning of my business education um because I didn't I didn't study business I studied literature so um and then we, at about year three, my partner needed to move to Texas, so out of state. We're based in California. And we were like, maybe we should sell the company because uh-huh. uh, it was like, we're either going to close or we're going to sell. Like, right. I didn't feel like I was going to run it on the creative. Like, I, you know, it didn't it didn't feel right to me. So, so we put it up for sale and um, got extremely lucky and sold to... Um, a privately owned company that they do licensing for much larger brands. Um, So I think, so that was five years ago, a little over five years ago. Mm -hmm. That's certainly when this incarnation of Bando begun because it basically meant that they came in. It wasn't like they came in and gave us like millions of dollars or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. they, I kind of liken it to like, we were this sort of like pink cloudy idea and energy and they kind of went in and put structure into it so it was like they understood like sourcing logistics warehousing sales wholesale which was still very challenging for us and Mm -hmm. so whereas we understood like design creative marketing and so it we just like married it up and and they were really looking for a brand that they could apply, you know, the products, like everything that they were doing, they wanted a house brand Mm -hmm. essentially so Mm -hmm. that they could take everything that they were doing for the license 
companies Mm -hmm. and do it for themselves because there's no hoops to jump through when it's your company. So So they were looking for the creative angle almost. Yeah. Because if you look at the brand, you don't really tell that it's owned by by any other company. Yeah. And was that like a big a big important deal for you guys to make sure that the creative vision and the the brand that you had built up till that point stayed intact sure and honestly like I'm not I feel like I I sometimes I wish I had more of an ego and and was better about like I don't think I went in I was like we have to protect this but I just I think I've always just known what I wanted to do with it Uh and they there was never a time for them where they wanted to get in the way of that I feel like they appreciated what I brought to the table and what we had and it was never like well we have these other ideas for what you want to do it was more like let us support you let us kind of guide you because some of your ideas are crazy and will never work (laughs) and you'll lose money um and so it's it's really I really think it's a it's a unique relationship that we have like like I'm saying just being more steeped in the business world now and hearing so many people's experiences I think it's very rare that you get this sort of compromise on a daily basis and it and um you know publicly it wasn't like oh let's let's pretend nothing happened it just like it wasn't um I mean, because we were small at the time too, it, it, it wasn't like this bi- oh, this giant merger or this $10 million VC thing. It was just like, we just stayed in business and th- that's how we did it. And so it, it, I don't think from like a, from the customer consumer facing brand story, it's like, I don't think it matters to them because they're not thinking about how our business runs. They're just like, how many colors does this bag come in, right. <laughs> you know? And so it was like, probably did no need to muddy the waters in that way. But, but I feel like I've always been thrilled to talk about it in areas like this, because I think it's like good for people to know how like different ways to right. grow your business. Right. Yeah. Especially when it's, it's not like you were bought by Nordstrom. Right. It's, it's it kind of just set up, like you mentioned the structure of the business, which I think is, is a great way to keep it intact, but were you able to keep a handle on the, like the customer relationships? Um, do you, do you have to, feel that like very close it's almost like a cult brand yeah uh, so you have to be very close to your customer for sure hold them in very high regard yeah. you know especially the um direct consumer from our website um it's you know we we talk about it a lot now because we find larger brands coming to us looking for that sort of to gain that sort of intimacy mm-hmm. with a customer and I feel like we have certainly earned it in a very honest and authentic way the whole time. And so that from a, from where I kind of spoke to the business piece, that was definitely a big, a big sticking point for me that I really didn't want to, um, harass the customer, you know, and like buy this, buy this, buy this. Like I really wanted to preserve what I felt like we had built because really, um, prior to selling, you know, it was like we were, we, we went from the vintage one of a kind and then started doing more, not mass produced, but like where we could actually replicate things and sell Mm -hmm. hundreds or thousands if we needed to. Um, but you know, hair accessories were a niche market. So, so there were a lot of people that loved bandeau, but weren't necessarily buying anything. And so, um, those people have been with us for so long and now we obviously have a lot more to offer on the product end. But so, yeah, the way we think of our customer is almost like a, a 
friend mm-hmm. in which I think now is like a more commonly thing where co- yeah. more companies are like that's our yeah. thing but like <laughs> that like, really <laughs> was our thing <laughs> like that was our thing a long time ago before it was like written up and I mean I wasn't reading any business books right. th- at that point I do now but um so I think it's just like it's a real thing just like any other relationship that you have so yeah very very important to us and the people that are truly just on the business financial side of our business totally respect and appreciate that and I think mm-hmm. that's help too that they haven't pushed so hard to say like it doesn't matter like we need to hit these numbers um you know they're willing to cut they see the value in that too yeah so So that's interesting so is it is how do you feel like it's it's scaled then so far are there like milestones you you've hit and obviously you're going in the right direction but sure how are you approaching that that scale well um I mean, just from like an employee standpoint, you know, it's like easier for me to see the the actual physical growth of our, you know, there were five of us for a very long time mm-hmm. working out of a room and then we moved into this house and then we got to 10 and then the house was too small and now we moved to our new office, which we call the penthouse. That's like <laughs> 7,000 square feet uh-huh. and um, there's, I think there's 40 or 45 of us now in that office then we have a Kentucky office and a couple overseas offices so so I feel like that even just like the we had to keep getting big you know and then we just got the second floor of the building so it's like from that way I can see it and then obviously like because we were able to figure out wholesale distribution because at right now we don't have brick and mortar stores Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, that's our way to the world physically and the way that our parent company has been able to help us really get that distribution Mm -hmm. has like, so when people are like, oh yeah, I know Bando, like it wasn't like that Mm -hmm. before. I mean, and obviously there's still lots of people that we were excited to introduce to the brand, but it's, it definitely happens more where someone will be like, is that Bando or, and, and so like, those are the scale things. I mean, obviously there's like the financial scale, but which I feel like we've done a really good job of just growing in that way too, and always remained profitable. Um, But I think it's more of like those things that you can, really see or for me because it's such a personal experience because it was born from me and my brain it's right. like I'm like oh that's cool you yeah. know or like we saw someone the other day with a bag and Amy was like look and I'm like oh yeah that's cool <laughs> it's, it's like, those yeah, are the things that make me see. happy yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're like okay well what about the numbers and you're like yeah what? <laughs> yeah I'm like what's well, cool I've yeah. learned to appreciate and respect the numbers of course um but for me it's a different it's like a different the way that it touches me is is different I'm sure (laughs) and and as the employees specifically grew how do you maintain that the clear vision and that clear aesthetic that defines the brand yeah it's um it's actually been harder than I anticipated and what I realized one of the girls said to me the other day she's like um you know you can't just like passively suggest things anymore like if you want something if you want something done or if you're liking something like you have to articulate it because like it's grown beyond the people that we're just like have like mental telepathy and I'll just be like you know just like give them a look and they're like we know what to do and so um it's so personally for me I, I feel like it's been challenging because I didn't my background is different I wasn't like a chief creative officer at a different company so um We've obviously managed to do it. I've been very heavy handed in the all, you know, all of that part. And now as I start to, uh, 
you know, break away from some of that and let some other people shine in those areas. It's been me just trying to focus on like, how do I communicate that in words and visuals yeah, and not, not just and not ESP. <laughs> um, and so I, again, like, I don't think you, I think from the outside looking in, I don't see, I don't think you see maybe the, str- the struggles that, that I have mm-hmm. had, but, um, I think it's good. I mean, it's good for me because like, I want to be challenged at work. I don't, I mean, anytime it gets easy, I'm like, well, what else, you know, what else can we do? That's hard because it's, you know, I want it to be interesting. So, right. So can you just walk us through like the typical design process, especially as you've moved into other categories, it's sort of all felt like it fits in under this one brand. How do you do that one in different categories? And then like, how do you know, like what people are going to want? Yeah. I don't always know. I mean, I like, I certainly have strong enough opinions about what I like that I, that I'm confident enough to be like, let's just try this. We've never really been, um, trend focused, although we, you know, we're based in Los Angeles, so it's hard to avoid being ahead of trends there just because of like what you're being exposed to. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, for us, it starts out with inspiration and, and, you know, what's, what are the themes? What are the emotional themes that we want to play off of visually? What, what am I attracted to? I mean, normally it's just like me starting a Pinterest board of just like things I'm liking at the moment. And then we sort of drill it down into, into themes. And the the thing is, is like with, with our, you know, the Bando designed and produced products, we still have a very large wholesale business. Mm -hmm. So, um, what happens with a brand after a certain amount of time is like there, there's an expectation that we're going to repeat ourselves in a way that isn't repetitive, but also isn't confusing mm-hmm. for the consumer. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean by that? So, um, well, you know, it's like, okay, so now we're known for florals. So the first time I commissioned a floral, I was like, let's do this like wild, crazy floral. And like our, our parent company, our sales team was like, we've never seen anything like this. Like this won't work. And then we, I was like, let's just try it. And then it was really well received. And then the next year, all the, you know, our wholesale customers who are, who we speak to first, can we have another floral? Like you can make it similar to that last floral did so well. And I was like, well, let me make a totally different floor. And they've done that. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but, but really like, especially when you're, when you're, I feel like we're cool mainstream, you know, but, but, but we do, I mean, because of our distribution, like it's pretty mass. So, um, it's like a stripe, another stripe, another stripe, because people like stripes. And mm-hmm. so how do you mix it up? So so that's what I mean when I say that. Like, it's like, to me, I try and it is, there is a bit of a formula now because we're the fun, colorful brand that's going to have like a fun saying and a, a floral, mm-hmm. like I'm saying, and then right. a wild card or something. Right. And, and so when people are making, when businesses are making their business plan to figure out what they're going to buy for each brand, that's what they're slotting us in for. So if I do something different, that, that doesn't, that doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. So creatively, I, I fought that, um, for a while as someone who like wants to be, (laughs) I was like, wait, that's boring. We've already done that, you know? And so like the first couple of years were much more bouncing around. And then, I mean, the numbers really just told us what it was going to be. And mm-hmm. so what's nice now is like we, with our dot com, there's much more flexibility to try whatever we want mm-hmm. and 
take more risks because at that point it's an emotional purchase where when you're selling wholesale, it's it's a business transa- transaction still. Like that buyer is not taking it home with them. They're taking it to their boss. They're responsible for someone else's money. So it's just, it's totally different. So like right. once I realized that, it made both versions very easy mm-hmm. to design into. Right. So so a, a retail partner, like a, a department store, might mm-hmm. have like your core selection yeah. and you can kind of take more risks for your own website. For sure. So it's like an entry point if someone like is introduced to the brand at, at Nordstrom, they can then go... And, and then see, see the side the and then be like, yeah. oh, wait, why? Oh, there's so many, you know, and, like it and gets, it's nice. It and, and yeah, and we, and, you know, on the site and through our social and all that, like we really get to control the brand story and the brand vision mm-hmm. in a way that no one, without having a, a store of our own, like I can't, even though I may go into Macy's and um, spruce up the display if I'm around a <laughs> Macy's, like I can't control that like I just there's no way there's we're in thousands of stores all over the world mm-hmm. like it's gonna it's how we fit into their brand story right. and so that's why I'm always really excited to drive people to our website because I'm like we're controlling that we're controlling the language the pacing what you see what you see next to each other mm-hmm. um, and then bringing in whatever we want to help you know inform the brand message right and I is that a scary thought at all that lack of control at the retail oh, partners oh God. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was really resistant to, to a lot of that. Um, but then when you talk about the money set, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's that, I mean, that helps us grow. Yeah. That gives us with that piece helps me do the things that I want to do, even the things that, that don't necessarily make money, but I think, you know, inform the brand or just feel great Mm -hmm. to do. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was hard. Again, I feel like I wasn't enough of like a ego-driven control person to stand in. I'm much more pro-compromise. So I was like, okay, I hate it, but I get it. Right. Um, and and I'm glad because now I feel like we've sort of earned our way to be like, well, okay, well, we just want to do this other thing here. And no one really gets, I mean, as long as we're not doing anything. Right. Too crazy. Yeah. <laughs> within, within reason. Within reason. Uh, and you also, you mentioned you sell other brands on yes. the site. So how yeah. did you go about introducing that that angle of it? And, and how did you even identify the brands that, that fit into this overall aesthetic? Sure. Um, we, so we have, we make uh, planners and like a daily, you know, a daily agenda. That's one of our most popular products. And when we, and we've been doing them for like five years. And when we started, we, we started commissioning outside artists to contribute artwork to, to the planners. And, um, what I realized as I was researching the girls we were working with is like so many of them have small businesses of their own. You know, they were doing like pins and patches or prints or greeting cards. And, um, we were, in our last office, not the office we're in now, but the house, there was a room that was empty in the back. And I, I was like, I wonder if we could turn this into a little store Mm -hmm. and help these guys sell their stuff and like expand on, I mean, part of, I think was creatively, I was like, when you design a product, by the time it comes out, you're like boring. Cause you, cause you're, so I was like, I want to like freshen it up and, and so we were able to do that. We like from the time I was like, can we open a store till we opened it was like two and a half weeks because mm-hmm. we it was just like, let's just call people and have them start sending us stuff. And so that's where it started. And it was called the girls pop up. And it was um, I mean, you could only fit 
two and a half people in the store at a time. So it was very small, but it did really, it did really well. Uh I'm told it was very good uh, retail dollars per square inch because we had it loaded. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was like floor to ceiling. Yeah. So, um, we, um, we then we started like opening up so we we deck out the whole office and it was going so well and then people were like well what if we don't live in LA like how you know how do we how do we get to it so then we put it online um and then that eventually just became like our third party strategy Mm -hmm. so we for a while online it was separate it was like girls pop up or bando and then we decided like for the consumer it's too confusing like they're just at bando so what are you gonna sell and and as far as like how do we find it it's i mean i do a lot of trolling on instagram um being in stores going to like Mm -hmm. craft fairs seeing stopping people and saying like where did you get that bag um and so it's been really great because it's been an opportunity to help shape other businesses that are maybe like where we were four or five years ago mm-hmm. or even longer. Um, and now we're like able to work with like Levi's and Vans and, you know, like larger, larger brands to sell their things online too. So it's like kind of a nice mix at this point of indie designers, small artists, and then a peppering of, of big brands. more. Yeah. When you're working with the big brands, like someone like Levi's, like what do they see in, in the Bando brand? Like what customer are, are they getting access to? You know, it's interesting because like r- right now, the way we're working with some of those brands is literally just we're, we're a whole, like it, for us, it was like an achievement to be approved as a wholesaler. Cause you know, they like they vet, they still vet, especially not digitally. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, I, I feel like that those brands really like the way we curate our product mix. And so the, the way that their things are styled and presented to an audience. And then mm-hmm. I feel like, again, it's just like what we can offer the relationship that we have with our consumer and being able to show it in a very bando way, right. I think is different for, I know for me, because even for us, like we have, you know, we have wholesalers that we sell to that I'm like, oh man, I love the shoot they did with our t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Let's like, can we use that for our social media as well or that sort of thing? So I think it's like, it's funny because we're so in the middle that it's like, I can sort of see, I can see it from both sides. It's, it's making it easier to drive the business because it's like, I understand what, what to look being, for like, yeah. And like what it feels like to be the bigger company in yeah. the partnership and what it feels like to be the tiny thing that's like oh my god I can't believe you're even talking to us yeah. you know so it's like we're, we're still living like a dual existence right now absolutely so, yeah so at this point of growth you, you've tapped into a very clear aesthetic very yeah. Instagram friendly yeah how do you evolve the business beyond that looking sure. beyond the, the current trend sure I for me personally really where where I'm focused for our business is like how do we continue to play up the emotional resonance that has so much less to do with products or what color it's going to be this year but mm-hmm. like how can we continue to meaningfully connect with people and build the community and which I hope our CFO doesn't listen to this because he'd probably be like, let's focus on selling products. But I think it's like, I feel like we, we have an understanding for that and that's going to always like grow and evolve naturally the way it has. Like there, like I said, there wasn't a plan before. It really has to do with our personal likes and dislikes and you know, the brand aesthetic that we've set up. But I feel like there's a real desire for more from us as designers and makers and business people and from the consumer to want to have a more meaningful connection from the people that they you know buy from and so it's like to me it's 
connection over transaction. I think we've spent a hearty four or five years really focusing on transaction because you need transactions to keep your business alive. But I feel like there's lots of people focused on that now. And so for me and the team of people that work directly with me, I think it's like, how do we find ways to connect, whether it be through our product or through something that has nothing to do, you know, me doing honor roll, which is like the free advice series that I do or opening up the penthouse for a speaker or, you know, I I feel like that's going to be the most interesting part because I feel like the rest of it feels like it will, I don't want to say fall into place because there's a lot of work involved, Mm -hmm. but but more naturally yeah. evolve. Yeah. Um, and, and we're almost out of time, but but in talking about control and positioning in retail, to sell or not to sell on Amazon? Oh, I I you know, it's it's funny. We we're we're trying to figure that out now, but I but I I think ideally it's to have a branded store mm. on Amazon is probably what will happen for us. Mm. Um they buy from us now. Oh, they yeah. buy a lot from us. So it's, you. I mean, you can't compete with Amazon. Right. <laughs> There's no, like, we're not investing in drones. Like, I wish we were, but it's like, and, and so so to me, I'm not like, I, I wouldn't fight that. Again, also, because we're not like this tiny indie brand. Like, if you want to be all over the world and be in people's lives, then right. like, sure. Right. And you're not high-end fashion either. Yeah, not at all. You buy a Bando coffee mug or earrings or a more expensive bag, but you have the, those different options absolutely and our you know we still have our core line like that that would be fine and then like I'm saying for us on our website we're going to continually curate and design things specifically for our site we're going to work with the designers that we've been working with for several years now selling their things third party to work with you know exclusive things that are just for Bando Mm -hmm. that they're designing for us so it doesn't worry me like I just feel like there's still room for for lots of you know to get your product out in a lot of ways and lots yeah. of companies to succeed selling bandeau right so i wouldn't get in the way of that at this point yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah um especially when you mentioned that that you've kind of figured out a way to make the the retail partners work so they can indulge in your more creative side yeah. on the site well and that wouldn't go away no and it and i you know we've been talking about a lot lately about competition and and I think there's like this new thing that's coming whether it has to do with the people that have started businesses you know 10 12 years ago that are growing it's like it doesn't feel that way anymore it's like the what the internet gave to us is like this expanse that there's just room for lots of people to succeed and Mm -hmm. for me I don't want to see one of our partners fail I I don't want to see re, you know retail having a decline mm-hmm. because like I understand that whether it affects us directly or not is a is a secondary question but I feel like it's um there's ways that we can lift those businesses up through what we do and still make ours compelling and different mm-hmm. and so that feels exciting to me because like it's better if everybody wins you right. know like yeah it doesn't maybe have to not, battle right <laughs> yeah. Do you th- it's like almost no need to be stubborn about it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And I do, I do, I talk to a lot of people and I, I feel like the tide is really turning on um, how how we can all work together instead of, you know, I don't, it feels like a very like late 80s, early 90s, like the, where it was like monopoly, every, monopolizing every, and, mm-hmm. and, and certainly Amazon has got a hold of the market, but it, there's lots of, 
there doesn't have to be like one online shopping experience. I feel like there's still room for lots. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, but thanks okay. so much, Jen, for You're the welcome. chat. Thanks You're for welcome. coming. Yeah. All the way from LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play and leave us any feedback you have. <laughs>